You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for April 9th, 2023, Easter. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Well, good morning, and good morning to all of you gathered here, and good morning to those who are streaming with us here this morning. The story that Reverend Elizabeth just read to us is a story that is so, so um, packed with life that it's a story that affects all of our stories. So 13,882 days and 12 hours ago, I was having a blast. It was Saturday night, April 6, 1985. I was with two of my best friends, perhaps the two funniest people I have ever known. And we were shooting pool from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. And we laughed for five straight hours. I remember at one point leaning on my pool cue, watching one of my friends look for a shot as he went around the table. And I thought, this is as good as life gets. I was 25 years old. And you know the expression, not a care in the world? That wasn't me. I was 25 years old and I had a very large care in the world. It was a time of incredibly deep searching for me. I had just left a job on Wall Street and was working as a busboy cleaning up beer bottles, a job that I actually really loved. (laughs) But I was searching for the meaning of life and I was searching for a meaningful job. So the next morning we headed out for breakfast and I remember uh, taking the collar of my coat and putting it up around my ears. So I huddled and hunched in my jacket, trying to look cool and also stay warm on this chilly spring morning. And I was a man on a mission. Scrambled eggs, hash browns, and coffee. The, this was the holy trinity that I needed in order <laughs> to take care of all that was ailing me on that morning. So we walked along this narrow sidewalk, and as we came up around a corner uh, toward St. Paul's Roman Catholic Church, it's a church I had gone to once when I was in college, I didn't give it any thought. And as we drew close to the church, suddenly this door right near us flew open, and this kid, she must have been about five years old, wearing a white dress and carrying an Easter basket, boom, pops out of the door, plops on the sidewalk right in front of me. She had this face of pure joy. I can still see her face today. And she was like a five-year-old Mary Magdalene announcing the resurrection to me. And I was stunned. It was like having a cardiac arrest. I didn't know it was Easter. A moment later, her two sisters pop out of the same door And out of my peripheral vision, I can see her parents framed in this brown doorway. And they are talking with their friends. And they are having this burst of joy. And I plunged into despair. Then three sets of double doors open up. And this mob of joy comes out in the cell. It's like there was an invisible hand in the church just shoving people out these doors. And I was surrounded in this mob of joy. And in an instant, I knew I was lost. There was no denying it. And while I was in the mob, 
this sinkhole, this bottomless pit of desolation opened up in the middle of my spirit. And I was very concerned that I would be swallowed whole and I would never ever escape the desolation that awaited me in a free fall. And I sought to flee, but I couldn't flee because the mob was so big, I was literally stuck in a mob of joy and I felt completely exposed. I, I was standing there, I had my James Dean jacket on and not my Easter best. And no, I didn't know the parable of the wedding feast. It was just like the parable of the wedding feast. I had the wrong clothes on. That's symbolic in the Gospels, by the way. I had the wrong clothes on and I couldn't enter the party of joy and I was ashamed of myself. I thought that I was transparent and everybody could see right through me and know that I was a lost loser. In truth, of course, nobody looked at me and I felt like I was drowning as the joy burst around me. And I looked for my friends as though they were on the shore and that they could save me. But somehow, they, ne they completely missed the crowd. They never broke stride. They were intently gabbing and they had absolutely no idea that I was going down. I felt literally like my lifeline was walking away from me. So when I finally broke free from this mob and hurried up the sidewalk, I was haunted by the realization that I had lost something profound. There was such joy on everybody's face. Now, Jesus taught the way of joy. And the night before he's, he dies, the night before he's going to be crucified, he is teaching his disciples about joy. And when he talks about his teachings, he said, I, I, I have told you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Your joy might be overflowing is, uh, or full. That's how you might translate that. And at the Last Supper, he predicted and prophesied that you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Now, it may be true that nobody can take your joy, but you can take it from yourself. You can walk away from the joy that Jesus gives. And I walked away. I felt drawn back by this resurrection force field, and it was charged with this otherworldly, light, bright, uh, trans, trans, uh, translucent white light. Uh, that's, I know I, anyway, that's what I saw. And, and it was as though it was emanating out of the tomb. And at that point, I wasn't, I either didn't know or wasn't focused on the fact that inside the tomb, there are two angels who are radiating this divine light. And I glanced over my shoulder and I was looking at the people standing out in front of the church and now they, not only on the sidewalk, but they, they over the whole road. And I remember thinking that they were standing outside of the tomb and that I should turn around and I should go in the church and I thought, why would I go in the church? It's empty. 
The tomb was empty, I, and I was very, very confused by this. Now, I was right that day. There is a resurrection force field, and it exists on the mystical plane. It exists on the high spiritual plane of the heavens. And maybe some of you have felt it, and maybe some of you have seen it. I experienced it. I just didn't have any idea what to do with it. So as I hurried up the sidewalk, turning, I thought, well, maybe I should, I should turn around. Now, you may remember in the scripture that Reverend Elizabeth just read us that it says, Mary turned around. And then it says again, she turned. Now, I didn't turn. I didn't turn around. I didn't bump into Jesus. And I also didn't know that the word conversion means to turn around. It means to turn. And that is, that's what the Christian spiritual life is. At its most basic level, it is just turning to Jesus. It's just turning to Jesus. That's, that's what we do in the Christian spiritual life. Now, Mary and Peter and John, they ran to the resurrection. We, Mary likely walked, it was between three and six in the morning, but she certainly ran back to get them, and then they ran again, and we get that that funny story where John outran Peter, and we hear about that twice, John outran Peter. Mary put in the most mileage. And we get that they bent down, and Peter went into the tomb, and they looked at the wrappings. When I was a boy, I always thought the wrappings were like a towel that had been just laundered and it was done so nicely. But the wrappings, the mummification of Jesus, those wrappings are lying in a cocoon shape, and it's as though the body came out like a butterfly comes out of a cocoon. That's what they're looking at. That's what Peter is thinking about, theoria. That's the word that's used. He's thinking. Now, they ran to the tomb, and I ran away from the tomb. I accelerated up the sidewalk. I didn't look in, and I ran away from joy. And I ran toward scrambled eggs and hash browns and coffee, which, by the way, I never got. So, because I didn't know it was Easter, that's the most busy morning for breakfast in the United States. But I ran away from the one guy who could feed my hungry soul, who could give me everything I needed. I didn't need breakfast, I needed Jesus. So later on reflection, I began to think that I began to know Jesus, not by his presence, but by his absence. I didn't even know I was missing him. And I can say today that there are perhaps some of your friends, or maybe some of you, some of you online, or perhaps some of your family members, today is their Good Friday. Today they know that they're missing Jesus because you're all gathered here. We're pounding the drums and we're blowing the horns and it's impossible not to be caught up in it. But they don't have that. And so today is the day they miss Jesus. They're haunted by something, they're thinking about something. It's not Good Friday because if you have no relationship with Jesus, Good Friday is just the day that Jesus died. Now I was indifferent toward Jesus. And maybe you think in your own heart about times when you might have been indifferent toward Jesus. But did you ever wonder why that's the case? How can you become indifferent toward Jesus? I like these people over here. I've devoted my whole life to the church, essentially. And I worry 
that the church has dressed Jesus in boredom. We've made this guy into a ho-hummer. And I also worry that the church has inoculated people against Jesus. In other words, they get a little bit, but they don't get the whole dose. So therefore, they think they know Jesus, but they only know about him. And it's a totally different thing to know about Jesus versus knowing Jesus, completely different. Jesus is the most extraordinary person to have ever lived. There isn't even anybody in second place here. Jesus defies all categorization. We can't even describe his humanity and how it mixes with his divinity. We have a way of describing it, it doesn't make any sense. And nobody could control this man, not in his life and not in his death. He was born in a nowhere village 2,000 years ago. He had a profound experience. He went back to his village and he told his family and friends about it and they wanted to kill him. Remember, they wanted to throw him off headlong, off the cliff. And he walked right through the midst of them in what would have been the greatest movie scene of all time. He loved without reserve. He taught the way of love. He went to the people who were hated. We cast people out. We throw people in the dumpster. And that's where he went. He healed people. He broke down all barriers of division. And it freaked people out. He didn't care what people thought of him. Think about your own life. Jesus did not care what anybody thought about him. He faced violence with nonviolence. Some experienced him as the Messiah, the one sent from God. Others thought he was completely deluded. And others thought he was so dangerous they killed him. Yet even death did not defeat him. Came back. He really came back. And his coming back caused an unbelievable wake of change. I mean, there were other messiahs during, other people who said they were messiahs during Jesus' time. Right after Jesus' time, there was another guy named Jesus who was having a go at it. But when he died, when they died, it was game over. There was no, there was no movement that followed that. It was just done. Billions, billions of people have found life in this man. That's what it's about. That's what happens at the resurrection. We find our life in his life. And that life is a life that we say never dies. Jesus is a life and death guy. Make no mistake about it. He doesn't chat in the Gospels. He's a life and death guy. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. That's it. He brings life even in the face of death. And an encounter with this life, this resurrected Jesus, it changes us. It just does. It's like plugging in to a divine circuit board and it blows our circuit boards apart, our little dinky circuit boards. It blows our human, our human understanding, right? It re rearranges the way we think. It 
repositions the disposition of our soul. I mean, look at the disciples' lives. Their lives are changed overnight, immediately changed overnight. They're completely and radically changed. But is that more amazing than the fact that after the time of the Bible, billions of people have experienced Jesus as alive and that Jesus has radically changed normal people, normal people like us. He has radically changed, sometimes super quickly and sometimes very slowly. But nonetheless, for billions of people, he has radically, radically reoriented their lives. And it does this, he does this because resurrection, it's not just about Jesus, it's not just about Mary Magdalene at the tomb or the other disciples, it happens to us too. We are changed, our worldview changes, our heaven view changes. Now on Easter, we are, we're, we're just like Peter, we're like Mary and then Peter and John and we run to the tomb and we, we run into and enter the resurrection force field. We look into the empty tomb and we ponder, how can those wrappings be? How did he get out? I mean, if it was stolen or if he, uh, you know, uh, did some kind of escape, how did, how did this happen? We ponder that. But what we really love and what we really revel in is the story of Mary's encounter with the risen Jesus. Now, it's obvious, but it's incredible to think about. So Mary goes looking for a dead Jesus. And she is met by an alive Jesus. Not only met, she's looking, but she is found by an alive Jesus. And that's how it works in all the resurrection appearances. Nobody ever goes out and finds Jesus. Jesus finds them. He is the one who shows up walking on the road to Emmaus. He's the one who shows up behind the locked door. He's the one who shows up outside of the tomb and meets his disciples. And just as it is in the Bible, so it is today. Jesus just shows up. He just shows up sometimes. He just shows up in people's lives. And I'm sure that's why Amazing Grace is the favorite hymn of all time. With the line, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. In the scriptures, in the 18 verses there, the word see is used in three different ways. But the final one where Mary says, I have seen the Lord. In the Greek, that means I have seen with spiritual insight in such a way that it's going to change the way I live. That's what she saw. That's what she's describing. It moves her to new life. And what the church is, is really at its heart, it's the cosmic lost and found movement of people who have had the, the grace to see with spiritual insight that Christ is alive. And so on Easter Day, when we sing, you know, that the, the force field, it draws us in and we experience transformation, but it also sends us out, right? So the, the force field has the power to do things with us that we are not capable of doing on our own. We seek, we celebrate, and we're sent out. I mean, look at Mary. Mary, Mary's, Mary, think about how she feels when she comes upon the risen Jesus. Every cell in her body is freaking out, and she launches herself to him, and he says, don't cling to me. In the Greek, it says, it says, don't fasten yourself to me. Don't bolt yourself to me. 
he turns around and says, go and tell. She's the apostle to the apostles. She goes and tells. And 38 years ago, that little girl probably wanted to go. She probably thought church was so boring, she couldn't wait to go when she leapt out on that sidewalk. But what she did with the joy on her face is she told me that Jesus was raised from the dead. She was right. She was five, and she was right. And so today's Easter day, and you all look fabulous, by the way. And maybe you're going to pop into somebody's life today, and you're going to be the herald of the resurrection. Now, I must say that when I was thinking about this very, very early this morning, around 5 o'clock, I thought, oh, no, 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 these are Episcopalians. <laughs> They're not going to go tell anybody anything. Uh, so if you're not going to tell anybody about the resurrection, go and be joyful, okay? Go and be joyful because that is what conveys the message. Jesus was right. Nobody can take your joy from you. Of all days, go for it. Have a great day. Peace be with you. The Lord is risen. sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.